We are now in the throes of a massive war that is going on between Israel and Hamas. Uh, it is also uh, what is metastasizing into some difficulties within Israel itself between Israelis, uh, Israeli Jews and Israeli Arabs. Arabs make about 20% of the Israeli population. And this is somewhat of a new development in Israel. It's very concerning that Israeli Arabs, uh, who are otherwise very uh, appreciative of being in Israel, are now fighting with Israeli Jews. Uh, that's, that's very, very challenging when you have an internal war like that. I don't know if it rises to the level of a war, but it's something that to be concerned about. Uh, with Hamas, as difficult as it is, uh, there is a place to go to and where you can pulverize the enemy uh, by way of destroying their missile launches and so on, getting rid of their tunnels, uh, infiltrating the, uh, the enemy uh, headquarters and so on in, in Gaza, and to a lesser extent in the West Bank. But right now we're talking about Gaza. It is interesting to note that there's been no <clears throat> serious challenges from the West Bank, uh, and thank God for that. Now, mind you, uh, had it been that Israel had given up what is now called the, the West Bank, which should be called Samaria and Judea, uh, nevertheless, we'll just call it the West Bank for now because that is the popular consumption word. Had we given that up in the same way that we gave up Gaza, we would see exactly the same thing coming from the West Bank, which, of course, is much bigger than Gaza, uh, and thereby have a two-front war, one from the south, meaning Gaza, and one from the east, the West Bank. Uh, I don't know that Israel could withstand that. I just don't, I don't see that. Uh, so thank God uh, we have not given up the West Bank. It, it, what has happened in Gaza is um, validation of why it is not a good idea to simply just say, okay, you want a, your own Palestinian state? Here you go. Uh, it, it does, that, that simple solution, that simple idea uh, is, is silly because we would get exactly what we're seeing now with Gaza. It's not about uh, Palestinian independence. It's not about trying to live in harmony with the Israelis. It's about destroying the Israelis, destroying Israel in, in general. That is, that's what we're seeing. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know we were recording back then in 2005. I don't think we were. But uh, I did speak out loudly against the uh, giving up of Gaza uh, by the Israelis because I, I said exactly what is going to happen. It, it has happened. That there will be a new base from which the Palestinians will uh, foment war and launch war with missiles and everything else. Uh, they will do tunnels. They will do... I mean, it's exactly what happened. Exactly what, what I expected to happen, happened. And I, I don't like being right about that. I wish I were wrong. I, I wish that Gaza would be a, a productive country with its desires to educate its people and to grow and to create scientific labs and hospitals and be a light onto the world just like Israel's. But no, 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 no. They're not interested in that, Ari. They, they use it entirely as a base to launch attacks against Israel. And when they go into a ceasefire, as they ultimately will do in this situation, they will just prepare for the next attack. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constant state of war or preparing for war. That's not 
That's not peace, my friends. Can't be. So to expect that to happen with, with the West Bank is, is another thing as well. So look, I'm going to be speaking in, uh, in, a, in a rally coming up on this Sunday. God willing, everything goes smoothly. Uh, Dennis Prager will be speaking. I, I got him to, to speak. And I will be speaking just before him. So it'll be nice. It'll be fun. What an honor it is to speak just before Dennis. But in any event, I'm going to give you what I'll be speaking about at the time. It's something that's near and dear to my heart about the way we approach Israel and the conflict with Hamas and the Palestinians. Here, here it is. Um, it's not enough. Well, let's put it this way. We can, we can talk about how Israel is so great in race relations. Uh, it's so great in absorbing diverse communities, including the Arabs. We can talk about how tolerant Israel is, not just with respect to women who are treated probably better there than they are here in America, uh, and not just how tolerant we are toward gays and other minorities and such. In fact, Israel is the uh, you know, de facto gay capital of the Middle East, if not uh, all of Europe. It's, uh, it's the go-to place if you're gay and you want to have a good time. Um, so that's, obviously, it's a very tolerant uh, country. It's a very embracing country. It's a democracy. And we could talk about all that. We could talk about how many Nobel Prizes the, uh, this small country has won, especially in relationship to its population. We can talk about how humanitarian Israel is, always going to, coming to the rescue when there's an earthquake, a flood, a tsunami, a, uh, some sort of horrific uh, hunger issue going on anywhere in the world, regardless of whether there are Jews or not. We could talk about uh, how they preserve the lives of even their enemies uh, on the battlefield. And they'll bring them into the Israeli hospitals and fix them up real good and, and send them back to their countries without taking them prisoner. We could talk about all those things. We could talk about how Israel is, is the only democracy in the Middle East. Right? All those wonderful things about Israel. And you know what? Most people don't care. Particularly those who are extremists, who who just see that they want to take the side of, of the Palestinians, they want to see destruction of Israel, you're not going to convince them. You nor I, Ari. So what, what is the deal? It's, it's not going to be that way. The only hope that we have is that we convince our own or the people that are sitting on the fence, the, the uninformed. We, know, we need these, those people on our side. The people that are the extremists, the ones who will support the Palestinians, they, they're not interested in your facts. They're not interested in knowing the history of Israel uh, and how small it is compared to the rest of the Arab world. Uh, they're not interested in, in seeing what a tiny population Israel it has versus the entire Arab population and how it's never been an aggressor and, and so on. They're, they're not interested in that crap. They're interested in destroying Israel. Why is that? Because some people, many people, resent that Israel is a country of standards. It's a country that symbolizes the best of Western civilization. It's a country that stands for justice and truth, for accountability, for capitalism, for democracy, for responsibility. Uh, those are the things 
that many, even here in our own country, uh, can't stand. So they, to them, it's, uh, it's the same thing as the woke culture. You can talk about how great America is and how capitalism has delivered the, the best prosperity in the history of mankind. But it will mean nothing to them because they have a different agenda. They have, a, they have an agenda of destroying truth for the sake of rebuilding a utopia in their own mind. Okay? Am I missing something there, Ari? No. No. All right. So I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, we have to understand who we're dealing with. We're not dealing with people that are interested in... Uh, truth. They, they just, they never have been. It's, uh, it's like anything else. Sometimes you, uh, you know, you want to get a, a certain project done and, and nobody wants to, to, to uh, accede to it, to agree to it. And you try to prove to them how great it is, but they've got a different agenda in the back of their minds. They, they, so whatever you say, no matter how great it is, they, they will say, I, I don't want that because we have something else. Right? Same thing with people who look at life through the lens of, of obstacles. You talk to them about how they, I don't know, they should move to a different country, to move to a different state. They should, uh, you know, divorce their wife. They should divorce their, their, their husband, whatever. Um, move, get, get a different job. But they, they, um, they don't do it, even though you can demonstrate to them how much better their lives will be. But they don't want to listen to it because the agenda is different. In the case of the husband and wife situation where, uh, you know, the husband doesn't want to leave the wife, it's because he doesn't feel comfortable that he'll ever get anybody as good as her or vice versa. In the case of uh, getting an another job where you could get paid more, well, that might mean, might mean he has more responsibility and he's afraid of the responsibility. So therefore, he just sits and, and stays with that job. So it's the same thing here with the Israeli situation. And I worry about that. I, this, um, this fight is a unique fight. And I'm an Israeli. I, I love Israel. I, I think about Israel every day. I, I think about the fight for Israel. And most of the fight for Israel is not about the military strength of Israel, which is certainly is a big part of it, don't get me wrong, and always being ready for attacks and such. But to me, to my mind, we are all soldiers here in America at least, on the PR war, which is just as important. We need to get in uh, the minds of our legislatures and the minds of our fellow professionals and otherwise who know uh, and are fighting uh, about Israel. Um, and they, you know, you have Ocasio-Cortez and what's her name, Tlaib? Tlaib and, T Tlaib. and uh, 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 Omar and Presley and I mean all these terribly anti-Israel people, let alone Maxine Waters and, you know, the, the people from the Black Caucus who unfortunately have forgotten about the connection that blacks and Jews had together in the civil rights movement. So it's very disturbing when the Democrat Party elects such anti-Israel people. Yeah, yeah, it's a spot on. It's disturbing and we don't, we, we just, it's a constant battle. It's uh, I don't know how to describe it. I, I guess, you know, it's like tending to your garden. If you just leave your garden even for a week or two, you know, you take on a vacation or whatever, you come back to a very messy garden, right? It's, it's a, 
suddenly there are rodents everywhere. Suddenly the weeds have grown and everything else. And, and that's the way it is. Israel is a country that needs constant tending. And that tending comes from all directions, including our own here in America. We need to fight for her. We need to always inform people about the goodness of Israel. Now, thank God we have our Christians uh, who are very clear-minded on Israel. What I love about it is that... Yeah, unlike that other religion. <laughs> yes, true. That's very true. Uh, what I, I've noticed is that, you know, you, you think to yourself, well, have we succeeded in, in uh, persuading our Christian friends of how good Israel is? Have we gone through that list I just mentioned of all the, the great history of Israel and such like that? No, 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 no. They, they have a much more clear understanding of Israel than, than virtually any other group out there. And that clear understanding comes from the fact that they know that those who curse Israel will be cursed and those who bless Israel will be blessed. They understand that Israel is a light unto the nations. They, they understand that without Israel, you cannot have a meaningful uh, strength in the Jewish population. The Jews are the chosen people in their mind and, and not, not just in our mind, the Jews. Uh, so we, we go hand in hand with our Christian brothers and sisters. Thank God for the Christians. They carry on the, the work of the Ten Commandments uh, much better than we can because we simply don't have the numbers. But thank God for them. Or the attitude. I mean, I see, uh, it might just be my own biases, but I see you sort of dancing around the um, <laughs> gorilla in the room here, the <laughs> elephant in the room of what I call anti-Israel Jews or even anti-Semitic Jews. Yeah. Leftist Democrat Jews have become, in my opinion, in my experience, the most anti effective anti-Israel force in American politics and culture. It's very scary. Uh, you know, your point is, is, not, is not, not well taken. In fact, uh, there's, there is some concerning point to it. But I, I differentiate, sorry, excuse me, I differentiate from you on that a little bit. These Jews that talk about themselves as Jews and yet are against Israel, uh, anti-Israel Jews, as, as you refer to them, I don't consider them Jews in the same way that I consider you a Jew or yeah, myself I, a Jew. And I don't either. I, I stipulate that yeah. point to you. Now, they'll, they'll be very offended uh, for people to hear that. Um, good. You know, yeah, well, right. exactly good. Uh, but look, it's... To me, to my mind, to be that anti-Israel, I'm not talking about questioning Israel or even questioning Bibi Netanyahu and his policies. Yeah, we do that. Yeah, we could, we could do that too. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when they say that, uh, you know, when they join the Palestinian cause against Israel. Okay, listen, guess, I want you to know this. We don't consider you, you a Jew. You are a traitor. Okay, it's as simple as that. It's, it's uh, if, if at best, you're an oxymoron. Uh, and, and emphasis on the word moron. Right now, to me, it's like a Christian who says, "Yeah, I'm, I'm a deep, devoted Christian, except I don't believe in that Jesus guy. Right? And he ain't no son of God. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in the Messiah for that matter. But I'm a devout, a devoted, uh, devoted, no, devoted, Thousand. devout Christian. I I go to church all the time. Right. Kind of like okay. When Mitt Romney, sorry to change the subject, kind of like when Mitt Romney said, "I'm a severe conservative." Only someone who doesn't know a thing about being conservative would say that. That's right. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like when those people like, and I'm I'm really honest. I tell you, I'm I'm a super honest guy. And when they tell you that, you, you know that they have some honesty issues. Right. Anyway, so the the. Uh, what do you do for a living? I sell used cars. <laughs> okay. Let's so just to move on on this. Um, it is. 
uh, the, the, the Jewish part of that, it is concerning. It is concerning. I, I, and it's, it's, giving, it's giving Jews a bad name. Let's put it that way. And Christians rightly ask the question. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, they ask, they ask the question, why is it that so many Jews vote liberal or vote Democrat? And you know what? And I say this to my conservative Jewish friends who are listening. Please answer that question. And we've answered it many times. Uh, the, the, the basic line is that there are Jews and there are Jews. And, and we don't believe that uh, so many of the Jews that are anti-Israel are really in support of Israel at all. And they don't have any sense of Israel. And they don't, they don't have any sense of their own Judaism. To us, uh, a Jew that is actively anti-Israel... Uh, is a Jew, is like a Christian who doesn't believe in Jesus. And not only that, has contempt for the notion of Jesus as a savior, as a son of God, as somebody who was resurrected, right? I mean, that's... And, and, and furthermore, I'd say, and then have contempt for Christians who do believe in the resurrection, the savior, the Trinity. Right. It's, it's so perverse. It's a truly perverse uh, standard. Now, look, a lot of... A lot of Jews who are liberal will tell me, well, no, we, we are against uh, Bibi Netanyahu and the policies of it. And it, no, that's not the same thing. I'm talking about the people that are not just hostile to Bibi Netanyahu, but hostile to Israel itself. Okay, so look, they may very well want uh, Benny Gantz to be the prime minister or whatever. I get that. But I'm talking about people who are actively supporting the Palestinian cause and act, uh, advocating for a two-state solution where they know, as I said in the beginning of this show, that it would ultimately lead to the annihilation of Israel. And you, you can't be that stupid. But anyway, the reason why so many Democrats, so many Jews tend to vote Democrat, and I'm going to say it again, is that they really don't have a sense of the Bible. They, they really don't. I mean, a lot of the Jews like Ari and myself, we're much more immersed in the Bible. We, we are comfortable with it. We do know it. And we know that conservatism aligns with Judaism and vice versa beautifully. In fact, it's 100%. Yeah. When it comes to gun control, when it comes right. to abortion, when it comes to even a minimum wage and affirmative action and justice and truth and things like this, there, there's nothing about Judaism. Let me repeat, nothing that coincides with the leftist strategy. Maybe I mean, I don't want to conflate liberal and, and leftist at this point. So I'm going to make a very clear delineation. Leftism, there's nothing in leftism that jibes with uh, Judaism. Right. And like an example is our, uh, we're, we're big fans of, um, you know, say the homosexual cause and information about that. The difference is we get our information from Sodom and Gomorrah, the story, right? <laughs> right. That's a good point. So look, um, and, and just going back to explaining this. Uh, when Christians are, uh, call themselves Christians, it means that they believe that Jesus is their savior, that he's the son of God, that he was res resurrected. I'm sorry that if, I, if I, I don't mean to mock it in any way, uh, shape, or form, I'm simply kind of getting through the, the basic motions here. Um, I deeply respect Christianity, as you know. Um, they, but they believe in that core principle. And it doesn't matter what kind of Christian you are, Catholic or Protestant or Mormon for that matter, you believe in that basic ideology, basic uh, fact pattern, if you will, that Jesus was not only divine, but that he was the son of God and that he died for your sins. He's your savior, right? The, all those things that I just said are common to all Christianity of all faiths, no matter what. Yeah. Okay. They have their own divisions. I get that. But I'm talking about those three or four basic things that I just said. Okay. Uh, not so in Judaism. Okay. When a Jew tells you he's a Jew, that can mean anything. 
Okay, so that's a very big difference uh, in, uh, in Judaism. In Judaism, uh, a Jew can be an atheist and still call himself a Jew, right? In the same way that you can be an atheist and still be an American, right? So you can be an American and it can be many different things uh, and believe many different things uh, and have many different interests and so on. But uh, that's, what, that's the way it is being a Jew. So I hope that clarifies the issue. Now, um, you may very well ask, well, how is it that so many of these so-called elite Jews are so liberal? Uh, these, and even among the rabbis, uh, why is that the case? Because the rabbis supposedly, you know, they know what the Bible is. Okay, l- let me make this clear. Many of these rabbis who are uh, of, the, uh, of the reform school, at least, they really don't know very much about the Bible, surprisingly. Many of my Christian friends know far more, and I'm not even talking about reverends or pastors. They, they, the regular Christian knows far more than many of these reform rabbis. Not all of them, but I'm talking about many of them. And many of these reform rabbis, you know, they, they become rabbis because, I, I, for whatever reason, it makes them feel good. But it, it, lo- it gives them cover to espouse their liberal ideologies. Okay, so um, now the good news is and the reality is that the more observant you are as a Jew uh, and the more traditional you are as a Jew, the more likely that, that you are going to vote conservative. In fact, uh, go yeah. to the extreme, like with all the Hasidic Jews. Those, the Hasidic Jews are the ones with the hats and the, the, the black curls and the, uh, uh, the dark clothing and such with the little uh, uh, tzitzis, uh, which is the little strings that you see yeah, on the those sides. those are the MAGA rally Jews. Yeah. You know? Those guys, they love themselves some Trump. They, yeah. they, are, they are more Trump than, than anybody out there because they, they, they know that, they, that he gets it. They, they love him. And likewise with conservative Jews, by the way. So there's the basic three groups that are some other groups, of course, but the basic groups are reform, uh, conservative Jews, which is not the same thing, but it's somewhat aligned. There's a lot of uh, stuff that's aligned with conservative politics. Yeah, we would but be not conserv- tech- we're conservative politically and conservative Jewishly, meaning we're as Jewish as you can get without being orthodox. Let's just put it that way. And to the orthodox, I agree. I stipulate. It's not good enough, but... We try, okay? We just <laughs> All right, so, so the point is, it's exactly like Ari just said, that the more uh, observant you are, the more likely you are to vote conservative. Anyway, I hope that, that explains everything. Uh, but we are concerned about the, um, uh, the, the, the face of the, the Jewish elite, uh, and I'm talking about George Soros, who's a real, uh, just he's a, a Shanda, he's, he's a shameful uh, example. We are embarrassed about him. Um, he is this. This man is a uh, clearly not not a Jew in the way that you and I think of a Jew. Uh, he was born Jewish, and now he's using it um, to advocate for a very evil cause. Likewise, with so many other Jews out there that are shandas. Shanda is a Yiddish word for shame. Um, so, anyway, I don't want to digress. I want to talk a little bit now about the. Uh, Biden administration, Biden asterisk administration, uh, regarding uh, how they are dealing with this situation. So the Hamas situation. Uh, Larry Greenfield put up a, was it Larry Greenfield or another Greenfield? Uh, Larry Greenfield is a good friend of mine, so I don't know if he was the one who wrote it. But anyway, he, he argues that the Biden administration is actually agitating for this Daniel. war. Was it Daniel Greenfield? Yes, it might be Daniel. So 
he, that the Biden administration is actually agitating and desiring this conflict for a couple of reasons. Um, one of them is that the more agitation and more uh, conflict in the Middle East, the less attention <laughs> <laughs> is devoted to <laughs> to the Biden administration's failures uh, as uh, we're speaking right now. It's just so complicated. We have to focus on it. We have to focus 100% on the Middle East because it's complicated, don't you see? Right? Right. So that's one thing. Uh, and look, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's look at the monkey. Look at the monkey. You know, it's, it, and we don't have to look at what's happening on the, on the border. Also- we don't have to look at what's happening happening with uh, Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, and the, you know, the, the investigations to him. Uh, we don't have to look into a lot of things. We no, don't have to look at the massive inflation yeah. in this country and such let like that. Let me say really fast, I, I think I can put it really together, which is this. It gives them a really seamless way of blaming gas lines. Because remember, oil used to come from the Middle East before we became energy independent. <laughs> but now that we have gas lines... If we could stir up some a nest of hornets in the Middle East, now we could blame them. Right. For right. So I, I think that's a very good point. Uh, the second reason I think, and this is me speaking, not uh, necessarily Daniel Greenfield, um, although I'm sure he agrees with me on this one too. The second reason is it's uh, just politics within America. We have an increasingly pro-Palestinian contingent in the Democratic Party. There's a, a growing rift in the Democrat Party with regard to its support of Israel, right? In the old days, it was taken as a given that the Democrat Party would be pro-Israel, uh, and that was truly a bipartisan uh, issue. You, you would think that there are some things that are bipartisan, and sure enough, Israel used to be one of them. Now, it's not so much. Now, within the Democrat Party, it's not a given that you are pro-Israel. On the contrary, you have to explain why you are pro-Israel. The burden of proof is now on justifying why you are pro-Israel. So as the party gets more and more um, uh, loquacious, shall we say, more vociferous in its anti-Israel approach, um, Biden has to now answer to them as well. So the more money he gives to Israel, let's say, to help them with uh, you know missile, whatever, armaments, military aid and such like that, uh, the more he has to justify things. So now, here comes this war. Uh, what a great thing to, A, weaken Israel, uh, and B, tell his political base, which is growing more and more leftist, that, look, he's not supporting Israel as much anymore. Okay, it's, yeah. it's pretty uh, one, straightforward. One, one note that many people don't remember is that of all the Democrat senators of the U.S. Senate from the 1970s kind of class, of which Biden is one, he was always the most anti-Israel of all of them. There were always some sort of Southern Democrats, like, say, Sam Nunn of the Armed Services Committee and people like that, who are always very pro-Israel. And Biden in, like, the 80s and 90s really stood out as a just an anti-Israel zealot. So it's... It's no wonder that that entire party is going in that direction with Biden as the standard bearer of it. Yeah. That can't be ignored. I, I agree. It is a concern. Um, you know, Biden has succeeded in being wrong on every single foreign policy stance that you can imagine. I mean, you would think just by, by, by mere accident. Yeah, he his would, whole career. He would, isn't new. <laughs> yeah, he, he, would, he would be like the broken clock that would once in a while get it right. But no, he, he always managed to get on the wrong side. So 
but Israel is certainly one of those examples. And even if he were, didn't have the malintent at this point, he's so feeble, he's so weak, that he's so easily puppeteered uh, to do exactly what the squad and the anti-Israel crowd might demand of him. So uh, that, that's another major thing that's in play. Now, one of the things that I find fascinating is Iran, right? We, we are, this administration at least, is running to Iran saying, pretty please, can we get back into the, uh, the, to the Iranian deal that we, that we pulled out of uh, through that terrible yeah, man? Please start to, giving us money again not to make weapons. Okay, but right? just, just keep in mind. Just, oh, yeah, sorry. So, um, so it's very hard for us to, um, uh, to, to go into this Iranian deal and please bring us back into the Iranian deal. And they're saying, well, we'll think about it, as if somehow they're doing us a favor. This, this punk country, this evil terrorist country, and we're negotiating with it with hat in hand, and, and we're genuflecting and trying to kiss their ring uh, and speaking to them as, as, as if they're some sort of noble nation. Um, but I really believe that they believe it. They want that to be the case. They want to treat Iran like it's a, it's a sovereign and respectful nation. Uh, and they, they want the rest of the world to be like that. They like this conflict. Right? It's, it's seriously, it's just like the Get Smart episodes of old, where, right, it's control and chaos, right? With, spelled with a K. I always love that. Um, and chaos, you know, that the whole notion of it was they were evil, and the, the good guys, the control, was all about making sure that things were, were in control. They just didn't care about that. So, um, anyway, I, I, where am I going with this? My, my point is, that they, they love chaos because chaos serves a purpose for them. They, they can do so many things if everyone's attention is diverted uh, away from the, the, the idiocy of what they're doing right now. But it's not even idiocy. It, there's an agenda going on. They want to hollow out the middle class. We've talked about this before. Uh, and certainly have them flee from California and New York and otherwise. So that way they can control those states very easily. And then eventually, you know, with their intentions to eventually uh, gravitate toward more of the purple states and eventually control those states as well. It's uh, very alarming. We have uh, big issues to deal with right now. Anyway, I'm going to be there in Beverly Hills this Sunday. I would love to see uh, each of you who can make it, uh, especially those of you here in Los Angeles. I'd like you to come up to me and, uh, you know, introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me how you like the podcast. Uh, if you wouldn't mind also, um, I, it would be great if you can uh, share this podcast with your friends and expand our listening base. It's growing all the time. But you know what? I'm greedy. I like, I like to spread this word as much as possible. Anyway, Ari, what do you think is going to happen at the end of the day when it comes to, uh, you know, because there's always about a ceasefire uh, when it comes to uh, Israel and Gaza and such like that. It's, you know, this big... Uh, kerfuffle, and then ceasefire. And then we kind of figure out, you know, who ultimately prevailed in this recent conflict. But Israel doesn't really want a ceasefire at this point. They want to pulverize, hold on, hold on. They want to pulverize uh, the Hamas. That's their ideal, right? They have the power to do so. But they get pressure from America to say, okay, stop your fighting. You can't go all the way. We need to go all the way. We need to destroy Hamas once and for all. They're going to be stopped when when finally a pressure point is found by the nations of the West. Uh, For instance, several kind of factors. For instance, England has a veto on Israel's 
military initiatives because England supplies them their tanks and their parts. And all they have to do is say, well, we're not going to sell you the parts. Uh, America on, on aircraft, same thing. Um, the Iron Dome missiles are, are, are not made in Israel. That's one of the problems Israel has, which is it's kind of like Hong Kong. It's a small rock in which there aren't a lot of raw materials to make right, things. Right. It, it, and by the way, quick analogy, this shows you why it's important for America not to give all those manufacturing things to China. You need to make things domestically. So right. sooner or later, my point about it is, the, the aggregate Biden leadership of the world will find the pressure point to apply to Israel that will cause the ceasefire and the regrouping of the enemies. Yeah. That will always happen. So, yeah, so the threat is that we will disconnect you from our interconnected world, right? Yes. And that's a, that's a possibility. Deplatforming. Uh, yeah, deep, yeah. So, but uh, look, if, they, if, they, if Israel goes like a week longer or two weeks longer, I think they can, they can survive that for the time being, and then they eventually destroy Hamas or make, maybe at least weaken them to the point of uh, irrelevance, and then they get what they want, and then sure enough, later on, the Europeans and the Americans, for that matter, will, will say, you know what, uh, maybe, it, maybe it's not so, such a big deal. But you want to say something about that. Yeah, I think this time is a little different, though, in one regard. Netanyahu was on his way out, and because I believe of a miscalculation Somewhere in the forces of leftism, whatever you want, call it, Biden, the Obama people running Biden, whatever, they pulled the trigger on this set of actions too soon, and before Netanyahu was actually out, now the coalition that put in his successor has fallen apart, and Netanyahu has politically survived. So my feeling is, in this one instance, ceasefire or not, Something actually good has happened, almost miraculous in this case. And I'm no Netanyahu fan. He is not like a, um, you know, Ronald Reagan or Donald Trump conservative. He's more a technocratic centrist with some conservative leanings. So, you know, he's not Menachem Begin here. And look that up if you don't know who that is. But he's, he's the best we're going to get as the head of the Israeli government at the moment. And now that he's survived another round of this turmoil, you know, uh, salam Aleichem, right? Oh. You know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah right. I use the Arabic version of that in this. Case. Very funny. Uh, look, it's it's something he definitely when when a difficulties arise in Israel, then people do turn to Bibi Netanyahu because he's he's very good at this stuff. He's stable. He yeah. knows how to deal with it, and but but that's used against him. Um, you know, people now talk on the left, of course. Oh, the only reason why this is happening is because Bibi Netanyahu kind of created this situation. Really? Really, guys? He ordered Hamas yeah. to attack. That's, That's right, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's such, what we were talking about earlier about the leftist non-Jew Jews, is they're so conspiratorial. Like, it, it, there's, like they, they complain about all the anti-Semitic tropes of the hairy hidden hand of you know, working machinations behind the scene, and then they attribute that. Yes, you know? it's, it's disgusting, the whole thing about it. But, but then at the same time, they, they talk about how this is Trump's fault for having focused entirely on these other uh, peace agreements. And uh, meanwhile, this, this burning cauldron was happening uh, down south in Gaza, and he was doing nothing about that. Yeah, that's, that's the ticket. So right. it's both, hold on. Yeah. It's both Trump's fault and uh, Bibi Netanyahu's fault as well. So it's, you can never win with them. They can never acknowledge that, that it's their own policies that are leading to this uh, horrible situation in Israel. This is one of the worst 
conflicts that have resulted between uh, Hamas and Israel in the past 20 years. I mean, every, I should say almost 20 years since giving up uh, Gaza in 2005. This is really bad. And, right. and it's also leading to conflict with, uh, you know, within Israel between the Arabs, uh, Israeli Arabs and the Israeli Jews. Yeah, but look at the, the power, if you will, the lasting miracle that is Trump. The Abraham Accords treaties are all holding. The, the Arab world, knowing how dangerous Iran is, knowing how it's not in their interest to support a leftist America, is holding firm with their deals with the Netanyahu regime in Israel. Right. Right. That's fantastic. Normally, in, in times past, one of the things that would have brokered the immediate ceasefire was pressure from the other Arab states to weigh in in support of, if you will, the Hamasniks. Right. And, and why wouldn't they continue to hold it? On, on the contrary, I mean, I think that they've always been wanting some sort of deal with, with uh, Israel. Uh, Trump was the first president who kind of gave them permission to do so, showed them a way to do so while saving face, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and, and he made it happen. So now these uh, Arab nations that do have the peace deals, including Morocco, UAE, and so on, uh, they get to say, you know, I, I totally would support you, but I've got this uh, peace agreement with Israel. You know, I can't, I can't get out of that. Right, there's this yeah, piece so, of paper. It's, it's holy, yeah, kind of like Koran, you know? Right. So they, they, they have that to, to go to and always turn to. And so that's good. I, I think, and they want it. It's like, uh, it's, it's like the, the, the whole attitude, right? Where, well, sure, I'd help you, but what can I do? What can I do, right? They, they want this peace deal with Israel. Why do they want conflict? Why, why don't they want the economic benefits of being with Israel? So look, uh, Israel has to deal with Hamas. It has to deal with uh, Hezbollah. Has to deal with Iran, which is run by which Hezbollah you is don't run have by. To be like Barack Obama and use a perfect Arabic accent when you say Hezbollah, you don't have to call Hezbollah. It is Hezbollah. No, it's so. Hezbollah. Oh, and whatever. They pronounce it the way they want you to pronounce it. That's giving them what they want. <laughs> Just, you know, Saddam, not Saddam. <laughs> <laughs> he was a sick man, R.A. David. No, he needed, I, he I needs our help. Better than they know themselves. That's why I do that. For eleven dollars a month, you can help R.A. David too. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you can clothe him. You can feed him. You can shut him up. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> what a strange world. Anyway, we, we do live in a strange world, and uh, we need to fight. And and I will I'll revert back to our first point, is that you can try to convince everyone in the world, but you have to segment your, your persuasion uh, faculties. You need to focus on those who are ignorant, who uh, really don't know very much about the Middle East at all, and those who are... Um, on our own side, they need to be educated. They, they might be pro-Israel, but they don't even know why they're pro-Israel. They assume they should be pro-Israel because, you know, they're Jewish or they're, they're Christian or whatever it is that's by background. But you need to educate them so that they, in turn, can get energized and excited about Israel, about the goodness that Israel has to offer, that, that it is indeed a light onto the nations, uh, that the miracle of Israel, to fight for that miracle, that's what you need to do. All the others who are lost, the enemies of Israel, they are lost. They, it's not as if uh, we, we've um, somehow uh, seen a growing uh, group of them. They're just lost. They're getting noisier. That's true. But don't think for a moment that these people have any sort of 
sense of morals. They, they, they don't have rational attitudes in their lives. They don't, can't handle this situation as a rational matter. There's no point in arguing with them. They seek the demise, not only of Israel, but of America and Western civilization. It is wokeness on steroids. That's what's happening. Do not bother with them. Bother with your own. You need to sing to the choir and to sing, sing to, the, to the ignorant. If you do that, we have a shot. But that is your role as a Christian, as a Jew, as a lover of American civilization and Western civilization, that is your role. Speak your mind, learn the facts about Israel, understand that Israel truly is a light unto the, unto the nation, and then go out and preach it. All right, my friends, Brock Lurie signing off, and we'll talk with you next week.